So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. And today, just like every week we come to the show, um, I am just, I'm super thankful and grateful to be able to bring you extraordinary guests with extraordinary experiences. And today is going to be like no other. We're going to get into some of the dirt, some of the things that can really go wrong and my and my guest is going to share some amazing experiences of how he persevered and weathered storms that I think would crush a lot of people and it's really a testament to the game of real estate in real estate man it ebbs and flows there's ups and downs and things can go sideways but it's the way you handle them that truly makes the difference so before we get started I want to take a, a quick little minute to Give a shout out to Josh Christ, who left a five-star review on uh, Apple uh, iTunes. And so, hey, listen, it honestly, every time I say this, but I really mean it, I get a lot of juice when you guys take the time, because I know it's a painful process, to get on iTunes and leave a review. So it really means that I'm doing something right. And I, I like it when I'm starting to see them because it really inspires me to go out there and, and tell these stories and get the investors on our podcast to uh, bring really valuable, actionable content for you. So Josh says, entertaining, insightful, and actionable. Whether you're well-established as a real estate investor or just getting started carving out a profitable niche that's ready to grow, this is a must-listen podcast for you. Corey does an incredible job leading conversations that cover a huge breadth of topics related to the ins and outs of building a thriving real estate portfolio and life you can be proud of from leaders who actually experience success themselves. Highly recommend listening and subscribing. Josh, man, my brother, thank you so much for that wonderful review. It means a lot to me. And really, when you guys do this, I get excited to read these things. It means that I'm making a difference. And for me, that is the only reason I created this podcast was to share the stories, man, to tell like the good, the bad, the ugly, the unadulterated truth about this game of multifamily real estate that's truly changed my life and, will, and my, will, my generations. Like I'm talking legacy. And that really is my vision and why I created this podcast was to get you off your butt, get you inspired, give you a little piece of nugget, some knowledge, so you can get out there and start making your legacy wealth, to make your sunsets and palm trees 
happen. It's so important that we don't just be idle, that you don't listen to these podcasts and go, you know, deaf and dumb and and don't take any actionable steps. Guys, it is in the little things that you will find the most success. And I just want to encourage you and inspire you that today, today, my friend, stake your claim and say, I'm going to be the best me possible. And don't look back. Stake that flag and start your path and start your journey. Because I'm telling you, it is in the journey that is truly, for me, the real reward. So I want to introduce my next guest. His name is Andrew Cushman. And he started off with single families, just like I did, in the depths of the Great Recession, where he completed about 27 single family flips and fix, fix flips. And he made profit on all of them. And then in 2011, really, this is about the same time I did, he transitioned to acquiring and repositioning of multifamily properties. And his team uh, has acquired around 1,800 multifamily units. So he's been, you know, he's very successful in his own right. He now acquires B-class value-add properties throughout the Southeast. That's kind of his market that he works in. And truly, we're going to talk about a story today that I think you'll get a lot of insight and really in how this business works and the things that can can and will go wrong. And we're going to talk about some dirt. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Corey. Uh, good, to, good to talk with you again, man. Hey, uh, so you've got a, a pretty neat story and, and I would love to, uh, you know, you've been doing real estate for a while. I think we both kind of have the same mentor, at least initially, it was Dave Lindahl. Um, at least that was my mentor. Is that was that your mentor too? Uh, indirectly. So my mentor was actually a guy who had started with Dave Lindahl who, way back when, and then he had done 800 units, and I hired him. Uh, so I, I, I actually uh, got, I actually found the yeah. So I found a, a Dave Lindahl success story, and and that guy was my mentor. All right, on. So uh, we were just talking before we kind of started the show about. Just the market overall and how, you know, what things are working and love to get you know, your perspective on, you know, the market opportunities and all just kind of everything apartments. What's your take on it? Yeah. You know, you ever been to like Six Flags or a theme park and gotten on a roller coaster and you're going up and you're enjoying the ride and you're watching the horizon get further and further down. And then all of a sudden you kind of you kind of level out and you pause and the clicking noise stops I feel like the clicking noise just stopped and I don't quite know. I, you know, it's one of those roller coasters where the downside is a black tunnel, right? You suppose <laughs> you, I don't, I don't know where this is going to go, but I just feel like it's probably headed down to some degree, which yep. to me says opportunity. Right. So, you know, I, me too. Yeah. And then, so like, you know, most, most operators I talk to their assets are doing just fine. However, the list of operators that I talk to who are starting to struggle is building uh, mostly in the lower end, you know, you know, C's and those C class properties. Yep. Uh -huh. Yeah. Th that's where it's starting. And so, you know, it, with, you know, Congress is, uh, I mean, let's see right now, today's the end of July. Congress is still debating what they're going to do, but it seems like it's not going to be as flush as the last program. Right. Yep. And so if they drop that, not as many people are going to be easily making rent. So, you know, it, we're, we're looking at long-term, you know, probably double digit unemployment. 
And while I, I don't think we're going to be in as bad a shape as we were, real estate is going to be as in bad a shape as the last recession because last the last recession, real estate- We lost was, lending too, yeah. Yeah, really, I, it was, we had horrible lending standards. And so real estate and lending caused it where this time around, real estate was probably the strongest thing out there and yeah. something else is dragging everybody down. And, and candidly, I think multifamily, maybe industrial, a few other things are going to be the, the strongest thing standing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad to be in this niche and thankful. And I think it's going to lead to opportunity, not, um, not probably across the board like last time, but there's going to be pockets of distress. I agree too. Well, think about this, Andrew, this is kind of what I've been thinking too, is how many new investors that were probably fixing flippers or, you know, went to a seminar and they got into that C-class property, probably over leverage, probably not really quite knowing what they're doing. I think those are the ones that are going to have some heartburn and maybe some opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. What I always tell people is when you're, when, you know, people say, oh, what would you do differently starting out? And well, my answer is, is I would go straight into B class instead of C class because when you're starting Amen. out, yeah, the, the C class, it always looks better on a spreadsheet, right? But it never quite performs up to that spreadsheet. Well, in most cases, I wouldn't say never. And so if you're looking at a B versus a C, what I tell people is keep in mind that the grass is always greener over the septic tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it just, and, and, and when you get in, in, like I said, the last 10 years, the seas have been fine, but when you get into a rough patch, those usually suffer first and suffer the hardest. Um, so they get, that's, that's, where that's the- a good point, man. That's a great point because think about it too. Like, you know, in your B assets, the reason why a lot of people don't start with B assets is probably because of, Money, yep. right? And we've all been there, right? You for your first couple ones, you cut yourself on a on a, a C property because that's the amount of money you can raise. But once you can learn to raise more capital, it makes so much more sense to start trading up to nicer assets because it really does help you in the long run. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, when I look back ten years at the you know, uh, and I say, okay, what was the 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 greatest risk adjusted reward it was mm-hmm. the b class assets that we bought and the b class al- assets that we missed out on right those things appreciated just as much if not more with less headache and less risk very interesting yeah and less headache because you're not dealing with that you know c class tenant which is it really is a totally different tenant profile than your b class tenant right i mean it just mm-hmm. it really is and so that makes life for your managers, for your happiness of all your staff, right? <laughs> yeah, I tell you, in the beginning, there were there were certain properties that when the manager's caller ID would pop up on my phone at 10 o'clock at night or something like that, I was like, oh, man, not again. You know, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I am done with this. In fact, I should uh, show you right here. This, uh, I keep a small piece of metal on my uh, my laptop stand right here. For, the, for those who are watching on YouTube, and what this is, is this is a bullet that I pried out of the drywall on one of my properties in a unit. And I keep it here as a reminder that no matter how good it looks on paper, I am never going to buy that stuff again. Amen. <laughs> That's some stories. I mean, you could do a whole podcast series on stuff not to buy (laughs) yeah that's the same property where someone climbed up onto the the roof of the leasing building broke out the skylights and threw molotov cocktails in cocktails into the office and burned it down wow 
Hey, just so everybody understands um, kind of who you are, too, as far as um, units, how many units are you currently operating right now? We were up to about 1,800. We've sold off uh, about 800, so we're right around 1,000. Yeah. And, you know, I always say, I ha- always kind of hate to say, oh, how many units do you have? Because it really is a moving target. Like, we, sometimes you got more, sometimes you got less. You're always in and out of deals. And, you know, you've got parked cash, you're waiting for opportunity. So the measure is not always units. The true measure is, are you making money, right? Yes, exactly. You know, and, and I know you are. I know you're doing, you're, you're a very good operator. And that's why I had you on the show because, you know, operations is where you make money. And you've got a really neat operating story that just is crazy, crazy. And I would love for you to share it, man. Yeah, so you know, when I was telling the story about the bullets and the and the Molotov cocktails, that's what I call self-inflicted headache, right? Like I chose to buy that, <laughs> but then there's sometimes there's headache that just happens, and you just got to deal with it. So we bought a property. I want to say it was late 2016 uh, on the Gulf Coast. It was uh, 150 units. It was a a C. It had you know probably a good decade of deferred maintenance. The owner was from Ohio, you know, didn't go down there. It was his only asset. Didn't really know how to self-manage. The maintenance guy was over 300 pounds, right? So not, you know, think of, think of, you can't even get underneath uh, a sink, right? Yeah. Yeah. These, these are buildings with crawl spaces and sinks. I'm like, that guy cannot get under those. You know, he can't physically do a lot of the requirements. Can't, can't get on the roof. I mean, you know, and he literally basically spent his days in the office. So there's just, it was, it was poorly run, poor shape. So we bought it. We got a really good deal on it. Um, prior two buyers couldn't close. We spent a little, I think we spent about 1.1 million. Uh, we bought it for 4 million. We spent about 1.1 fixing it up. Uh, it took almost two years to do that. Just, you know, got it up. 1.1 million dollars in rehab, right? Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good, decent sized rehab on that size of apartment. And I, and I really want to back up because this is a key point where you just said you just went, went through it, but like you, it, it fell through twice with two different buyers. Mm-hmm. That is typically a really good opportunity. If you can come in and be that other guy and you can do it with confidence, like I'm the guy who's going to bring you to close. However, it's got to be at this price. The, the previous two buyers were under contract at 4.5. But we were at like four and like, mm, no, this is where it works for us. And it eventually came back around like I don't know, four or five or six months later. So. Beautiful, beautiful. Good job. So Yeah. So, so we finished the, 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 you know, the rehab, had a nice stabilized property. It looked great. Um, we were, you know, 100% occupied. We're like, okay, cool. We're there. We refinanced. We closed the refinance. And then the manager that oh that's so you're beautiful right now at that point. yeah so we're like cool this is a great asset great market growing like crazy good strong incomes like all right now's the time we we sit and we we hold in cash flow for the next three to five years so our manager uh, who did a great job with it stabilized it she went and you know took another job at another property to to you know keep moving up the ladder we found a great new manager brought her in three days later. Hurricane Michael came through with 155 mile an hour winds. And overnight, we went from 100% occupancy to 16% occupancy. We, um, we, had, we had water was within one inch of the door frames. Um, roofs gone, windows gone, siding gone. We had one guy who was trapped in his unit for three days because no one knew. Because everyone was supposed to evacuate. No one knew yeah. he was there. 
And um, we we lost 95% of our trees. They It was kind of a forested property. Now it's a very <laughs> open property. And so all those trees came in. And just think of the trees like cutting through buildings like machete knives, just, you know, like slicing the building. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, those pine trees with the big, tall, you know, they just, they just literally just slice through the buildings. Wow. And um, so, you know, in that storm, the storm only took three or four hours. But in, it, we literally just went. It was from, that powerful that it just gutted yeah, your property. Gutted the property. So all of a sudden, you know, collections went from 115 to um, we were happy. Uh, that was October. And then uh, October. And then in, I think in December, we were excited that we collected like $18,000. Holy uh, on a, crap. 150-unit property. Uh, and so... The, uh, the, this is where having a good insurance broker and having the right insurance comes into play. So I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a weather nerd, so I kind of saw this coming. And uh, we actually had, I actually had contractors come down the day before and stay at a local hotel. Uh, we had already signed up a public adjuster, and we had already basically written up the, you know, the, the notification of claim for the insurance company. All right, so you knew you see the storm coming, you know it's probably going to hit real close to your property, and you're not just sitting on your laurels. You're like, let's let's be ready. Let's get all these things in place because we're going to have to try to. Because your worst case, you're thinking you're going to lose a bunch of roofs, and you need to get like that's probably what I'd be thinking. I was like, oh man, we're going to lose roofs. We got to get tarps on them real quick. We don't want anything else to damage. Exactly. Like we want, yeah, that's the first thing is like get tarps on. Even if it's giant holes, you want tarps because especially in Florida, stuff molds up really fast when it gets yeah. soaking wet. Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing got, I got a property in New Orleans. So I, oh, I, that's right. Yeah. You, same you, thing. You're familiar with it. Yeah. So, but in, in, the, in the thing, the reason we did that about notifying the insurance uh, ahead of time or being ready is because if, you know, if you've got a property and you have a fire that that's just a one-off, right? So you contact the insurance company, no big deal. When you have an entire city that gets blown off the map, yeah. the volume of insurance claims is massive. And if you don't get first in line and you end up three, four months then back, you're last, you, right? then you're hosed because your property is sitting there turning to mold and dust. Getting worse and dilapidated. Getting worse and worse. And there was there was properties that I mean, said so we we were able to get started the next day with cutting out trees and starting. To oh, pass that's good advice, man. That is yeah. great advice. And there were there are properties down. Uh, in fact, there's a property just just around the corner, like a quarter mile from us. They didn't file their claim quickly enough. And there's actually lots of properties around town like this. And within the last time I was there in January, that property was still sitting there in shambles, like the second story gone. Like it just because they, they and, and the word around the town is, is they're still processing their insurance. Right. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you if you're ever in the unfortunate situation where you're in a like a area wide disaster. Yeah. Get in line with your carrier right away because they they back up and I mean, getting a getting an adjuster uh, yeah. adjuster. It was that they were months out, too. You know? Wow. I mean, that's that's really that's huge insight to that world, because, you know, we don't think about these things. But when you're right in it, I mean, that difference between some timing, especially for your property, for these you know million dollar properties, it makes a big difference. Well, it does. And, you know, you might be easy to say, oh, well, cool. I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not near the coast and I don't have to worry about hurricanes. Well, think about Houston, Dallas, Texas, you get a major hailstorm that comes through. Yeah. 200 properties are making roof claims and you get, you know, you're not, 
quick. Again, you're going to be the last one to get it, right? And now water's coming through your roof. It's molding. I mean, yeah, anytime there's a something a disaster that affects more than just you get in line fast yeah great advice great advice now so insurance wise let's talk about uh, the value of having good insurance so obviously you're probably you know you have an insurance guy that you use a broker i'm sure right Mm -hmm. and he goes out and always gets you um the best type of insurance for your your property is there anything special you do insurance wise when you when you buy properties or is it just um, so, you know, standard? I, I do want to give a shout out. His name is Robert Hamilton with In- Insurance of America. He's based out of Atlanta. I, I've never come across a guy as, as good and thorough and knowledgeable as Robert. And so, yeah, he takes care of all of our insurance needs. And so, what you know, a couple of the key things to, to keep in mind is, and I remember I made this mistake on my first deal, is I bought insurance. I was looking at insurance. This was before I knew Robert. And I said, well, hey, this cash value policy is a lot cheaper than replacement cost policy. So right. I'm going to get cash value, right? And fortunately, before anything happened, I eventually was educated on the difference between the two. And so if you have a cash value policy, the insurance company is going to come in and say, okay, well, this, you know, this, this, you know, pick, you know, this stove, well, it was worth uh, $800, but... You know, it was five years old, so the actual cash value is three hundred, and then we're going to depreciate. So here's two hundred dollars for your stove, right? You yeah. can't replace the stove for two hundred. You can't get a new stove for two hundred bucks. No, and multiply that times you know one hundred forty-four, one hundred and forty-something yeah. units, and not just the stove, but the walls, the cabinets, the roofs, everything. everything. If we had had a cash value policy, I, that probably would have been done, just yeah. done. Um, we were fortunate that, yeah, we did, and we do this with all of our properties. We have actual replacement value. And, you know, a lot of times people will try to, what happens is the insurance insurers come in and they say, oh, you know, it'll cost $70 a square foot to rebuild this property. So that's, they, they use that to value it. And you, in a lot of times you kind of hope they come in low because the lower number means a lower premium. But in this case, and actually in other properties, they had come in with a low number and we're like, ah, you know, we think that's actually higher, right? Because we're like, they're like, yeah, that's going to make our premium higher, but we don't want to be caught in a situation where the insurance payout isn't enough to rebuild the property. Right. Well, they start saying, well, hey, uh, you know, this is kind of what we figured. And so that's what you're going to get, right? Yeah. And then there's another thing called co-insurance where if they come back and say, hey, you, you knowingly undervalued this property and, and it should have been insured for more. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how it actually works. Unfortunately, I've never been in this situation, but there's a huge penalty where they come back and and and, and you don't get as much. So yeah. um, so make that's another thing. Make sure it is properly and accurately valued, and not just construed to get you the lowest premium. Because obviously, you know, insurance is one of those things where where you hope you never need to use it, and if you don't, it's like ah, oh, I wish I didn't have to pay those premiums. But the minute yep. something happens, you're like you're oh, so you want to be able to do yeah now. On that uh, in in that insurance premium, did you have to pay a percentage? Um, was it just a one flat fee? Do you, do you know how you had to pay your deductible? Some of them are. Uh, it's because every insurance is a little different, right? Yeah, and and we don't have a blanket policy across all units. We have it by asset. So some yep. of them, yeah. So what? Yeah. So what you're talking about is some of them is a flat deductible of like twenty five grand or whatever, and then others it's a percentage of value. So let's say. Percent of rent collected yeah, or something so, like that, yeah, so or let's yeah, say, 1%, yeah. 2% or something like that. You know, well, then here's the tricky thing is that you say, oh, I have a 2% deductible. Sweet. That sounds great. No, it's not. It's because, not. 
No, because what they do. I've is learned they, this one too. Yeah, they yeah. If you're gonna, you, you, let's say you need a roof replaced, and they come in and they say, oh, well, the value of the building that that roof is on is this, and where your deductible is two percent of it. So, oh, your deductible is a hundred grand by the yeah, way. Yeah, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you're like, uh, well, that doesn't wait. And I'll, I'll just pay I'll, for cash with my roofs. Like, dude, that just screw screwed up my whole business plan yeah like, let so, me just pull 125 out of my butt and uh <laughs> so yeah. we we try to avoid those the, the percentage ones and then yeah. so and in addition to the property insurance and of course liability what we also had is we had paid for what's called loss of rent insurance yes that's another big one that we always include too yeah and so that's how we paid the mortgage and kept up with everything while we were down to you know 16 percent occupancy is because well how that loss of rent insurance works it's a beautiful thing is we said hey look the month before the storm we're collecting one hundred and fifteen thousand. now we're collecting fifteen thousand. yeah and, and loss of rent insurance you pay us the difference right and so beautiful and so we went to them as soon as the storm like literally the next day we said, look, we're down to 16%. This is going to be a huge number. Cut us a check in advance and we'll sort the details out later. And they did. We had we had a check for 250 grand like within two weeks because wow. it was so obvious. Like, okay, there's like no question. Yeah. You take a bit like here's my building before and here's it after. Yeah. And right? so we were able to use that plus our own reserves to start the rebuilding process immediately and get way ahead of most other properties. Oh, man. That a hey, couple. I mean, those are big lessons. A- the first part of, you know, just just all of it so far, but like insurance is important. Try not to avoid that that percentage because that's happened to me once and it'll only happen once unless I just absolutely <laughs> have to. Because it really does. You're like, wait a second. That's not what I. And here's the thing with all not all insurance people are going to give you the full Monty of how it really works. So we, we fired that guy, by the way. And now we have, we have a great guy that just really gives us, you know, the ins and outs. Because you really want to know, what's my total liability? If something is, if that catastrophe happens, what's my total exposure for me, right? Yeah, exactly. And what I found is a lot of, a lot of insurance brokers don't actually fully understand some of the gaps in the holes and the exposure in a lot yeah. of policies. Yeah. So you really just want to find someone good. So now you get the property, uh, uh, now you're rebuilding it again, right? Mm -hmm. And how long does that take? We just finished in June of 2020. Well, right on. Yep. So, and uh, we, uh, it, it was, so get this. So we bought it for 4 million. We rehabbed it for 1.1. We ended up having to gut it to the studs and spent, I think we're up to just a little over 5 million rebuilding it. Wow. All insurance proceeds. Thank with you. insurance money, though, with insurance money. Yeah. So here's the upside. Here's the, So was it, you know, was that an incredible, stressful couple of days? Like as I watched the hurricane on radar go right over our property and then getting the stream of pictures the next couple of days. Like, yeah, I mean, that was incredibly stressful. Yeah. Fortunately, we had no injuries, by the way. That was awesome. But, you know, so now... We had a property that was built in the late 80s. It is effectively 2019 construction. Yes. And it rents for, uh, you know, even, even in a pandemic, we're renting for $100 to $125 a unit, more than we were before the hurricane. As of July, we collect, we're collecting, actually, no, I think as of June, we collect, we're collecting more money than we were before the hurricane. When a hurricane can do more 
good than bad. Yeah, and now the valuation of the property is a few million more because the NOI is is much bigger. Yeah, and again, and it's, it's a new it, property. It's effectively 2019 construction. Someone can take it over and be like, "Listen, I'm I'm dealing with a 2019 product. It can last me another 10 or 15 years if I wanted just to own and operate it." So when you get ready to sell, it's going to be very attractive because oh, there's going to be nothing like it in that market. There isn't. And, you know, we're getting we're getting rents uh, over two dollars a square foot on some of the units. And that, I mean, that's like that's like Atlanta, Dallas. You know, yeah, dude, that's cats me out. dude. Yeah. Oh, man. So, man, that's a great story of something that would would bring a lot of people to their knees. Right. Um, and I'm sure it was stressful. I mean. When you're when you're going through it, it's it always is stressful, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was it was very stressful, especially like I said, those, you know, all the cell service was wiped out, right? Yeah. So the next day, you know, I, I'm getting like one picture here, like I'm getting a text of like our, our maintenance guy just he he panicked, yeah, um, and he was just sending me these texts of like, yeah, you, know, you live in uh, I'm in California, yeah, and your property is in Florida, Florida Panhandle, yeah. And, you know, basically he was sending me these, uh, you know, apocalyptic text messages <laughs> and <laughs> pictures and just like, I could tell he was in complete panic mode. I'm like, okay, I and, need and, a little and, more. And you, now you can't fly there yet because maybe the airports are down, like, and you're just working from the phone and from, you know, as all the things you know how to do, which is call your insurance, get everything ready, get, you know, you've already been preactive a little bit, but, uh, but that's all you can do, Right. And then you yeah, got to yeah. trust your team and the people to carry out and carry on, right? And we're, what management were you? Are you self managing, or did you have a management company, third party? No, we used third party, and they they did a fantastic job of jumping right on it and getting down there as, as soon as the authorities would let them get down there. Yeah, and they they handled it uh, exceptionally. Well. A lot of the work for you, right? And just keep, keeping you abreast of what's going on. Yeah, and actually, you know, really a key thing that made this as successful as it was is our management company again before i had these conversations before the storm i said hey what is the top public adjuster that you would recommend we talk to if this thing comes through like i think it will yeah and they give us a name and we talked to that guy and let me tell you it's one thing to negotiate and deal with your insurance company if you've got like a kitchen fire or something yeah but when you've got a five million dollar claim or, or even just if a building burns down it's not, oh, here's eight units and here's a bid for, to repair it. The report, what they, they go through and they itemize every single thing. So the, the damage report for us was over a thousand pages. Yeah, that's reams and reams of paper. Reams and, and so, I mean, I, when I was, I'm like, there's no way I could manage this myself. And I, you know, with, you know, negotiating, you know, because the insurance company says, ah, we think it's worth this. And then the public adjuster goes back and says, oh, no, no, no. Here's this. This is why this should be included. And it's in this big negotiation. So that was a big part of it, too, having a public adjuster to help you out, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like we we, we have another property where someone drove their car through the monument sign, right? It's going to yeah. be like a $12,000 deal. We don't get a public adjuster involved for that. that right. Yeah. But when anytime you have something really significant, like a couple of units burn or, or a hurricane or major hail, it's, in my opinion, is definitely worth getting a public adjuster because. Involved. We all know that insurance is all about insurance in themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They, I mean, they screw people all the time. I hate to say it, but that's just the truth. And so you got to stand up for your rights. And and one of the ways to do that is with what you just said, tell that public adjuster, because he's going to fight for you and be like, well, hey, hold on. 
no, 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 no. You got to account for this. You got to account for that. You got to account for that. And then a lot of times, because the insurance still, they don't normally want to fight, but they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Or sometimes they do, or they just miss it. Yes, that's exactly it. I mean, our carrier, you know, candidly has been pretty good. Yep. Um, it, I mean, it was tough to argue, you know, argue too much, but now they have been slow on paying. And so this, our public adjuster just hounds them like, Hey, we agreed on this, send the check. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, they, they paid the first checks quickly. And after that, it was took more and more hounding, but yeah, like you say, it's not just the nest, you know, trying to argue or necessarily they, they, they miss stuff, you know, like our adjuster yeah. might say, Hey, you, this should be included. Oh, you're right. Fine. Here's another 120 grand. Right. And if you, and, and if you don't, but get, if you don't find it, they're not going to, they're sure not going to give up the uh, information be like, Oh man, hey, we screwed up here. So here's an extra 120 said no insurance company ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're in the job of collecting premiums, not paying out claims. Yeah, but they will pay. And that's, and well, I, I say this, they will pay if you pick the right carrier. So that's yeah. why having a great broker to help find the right insurance for each property is paramount because we all hate the costs of insurance except for the time when you need it, like you just did. And then it turned out to be actually a good thing. Well, and you bring up a really good point when, when someone, when you're talking with your insurance guy and you're about, and you know, you've got a proposal and you're like, okay, I think I'm going to take this. That's a question to ask is, Hey, what is your experience with this carrier in processing claims? Yep. We want to, yeah, you need to have some history. Show show me and tell me why this is the right choice. Yep, absolutely. Because that's that really, because not ins- not every insurance company is the same. Some of them really, really want to fight you tooth and nail on little things where the other ones will be like, yeah, yeah, this is part of the deal. We see it. We understand it. Yep, go ahead and, and include it, right? Absolutely. And, and let's move on. So now that you got everything buttoned up, your rehab's done, Let's talk. What, what's the income like now? I mean, is it just? Did you just spit out <laughs> cash flow better than you ever thought, or what? Yeah, our NOI is running at uh, like uh, seventy to seventy-five thousand a month, oh, and beautiful. so if you throw a six cap on that, I mean, you know, it's it, depending on what cap rate you put on. It's anywhere from a thirteen to fifteen million dollar property now. That you bought for five or four? Wait, you said which, four? Which we, yeah, we bought for four, and we were all in <laughs> for five. So yeah, brother. I mean, I, I wish I. Could, I mean, it's probably you know, it's twenty five percent skill, seventy five percent luck. But sometimes it's you know, it, but you. But at the same time, you you have to have your your contingencies in pl- in place in advance. Yes. To make to have something like that work out well for you, because like I said, the property a quarter mile down the street, it did not work out well for them. And then there was another property a couple blocks away where it was at the time the asset was would have sold for about seven and a half to eight million dollars. Yep. They owned it free and clear, which means they didn't have a bank involved. And right. so no one was looking over their shoulders. So they had no insurance. Oh, they had an eight million dollar asset on the Gulf Coast. How no could you insurance. have any asset on the, co- on the coast and not have insurance? Blows my mind. So that thing is basically a pile of rubble. Again, and wow. as last I heard in January, it was still a pile of rubble and people were making offers on it for like one point five million. Right. For peanuts. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That. Well, that man, dude, what, what a great story of about a. Was it a six million dollar turnaround? A little bit more, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I, 
on an asset that got wiped out by a hurricane that you, you, but you stayed the course. You just, you took the licks. It didn't seem great in the beginning, but you just worked through it. And because you persevered and you paid attention and you made sure you always had, it sounds like, and I know this about you, you're really good at communication, right? Investor communication was key, really key. To let, you know, just keep, let everyone know, hey, yes, this is a disaster, but we do have this covered. Like, where this is, I, and that was, the minute it happened, that was the communication of, hey, this is going to be a rough road for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. However, we should exit this in better condition than we entered it. So, in, and what are they saying now? They're like, oh, yeah, we love you, yeah, right? Exactly. It's like, hey, in the middle of the pandemic, we're still, we can still distribute, you know, like crazy because this thing is, you know, it's so far and above, you know, where you know, cash flow wise um, that we can, you know, we can just keep distributing no problem. We've got you know, reserves are good, you know, and it worked out really well. But, and another key thing too is make sure that you match the contractor to the size of the job. Yeah. Right. You don't have your local vendor who does turns for you come in and do a half million, one million, five million dollar renovation job. Yeah. You, you've got to make sure you pick the contractor like that. That is what that they can manage a job that complex. Right. And even yeah. if you've got like one fire unit, that's a lot of components. If you've got to gut that thing sure. down to the studs, yeah. I mean, that's your electrical, your plumbing, drywall, you know, all that stuff. That's not a handyman job. You got to make sure the contractor is the right fit for the scale of the job that you're doing. Otherwise it will turn into an even bigger nightmare. Yeah. You're just going to have more, you're going to cost overrun everything. It's just going to be like, Oh my God, what am I, what, you know? So you were, and, and with all those funds, you were able to, um, did you end up having come out of pocket or raise any new money or were you able to get it done all with insurance money? We got a hundred percent of it done with insurance money. Beautiful dude. That is absolutely beautiful. Well, what a story, man. <laughs> How to, I mean, w- to go from something that would, would just, I mean, that's got to be just the weirdest feeling to one day pick up your phone and see some images of your, your property crushed. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> and, I mean, and your heart probably just left and you had to be like, okay, wait a second. How are we going to get through this? Well, yeah, we have, we have a CMBS loan on that and BS is in the title for a reason. Uh, and you know, those guys, they don't, they don't give you any flexibility. Yeah. They don't care. Do they? They yeah. don't care. Like that payment is due. It doesn't matter if you're at 16% because of a hurricane. So, and I can, you know, and that's another thing because we had proper reserves and proper insurance. We never were, you know, we, we never, we you didn't were, have we to miss a, a beat, right? Yeah. We never missed a beat. I'm um, not a day late. Never even came close. So. Oh man. Andrew, thank you for sharing that amazing story. There was, hopefully you guys listening, I mean, there was a lot of good nuggets just about insurance and timing and and communication and your people. All those things matter. I mean, the main thing too is that you're in the game. We're playing real estate here. Like we're playing Monopoly, but we're only playing with the red houses anymore, right? (laughs) That was my favorite game as a kid. Always played with my grandfather. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you didn't go out there and try to buy and, you know, start buying properties, because we never know always exactly how each one's going to come out. Some do a little bit better, some not, not so great, but we're just moving forward. And, and that's really the game of, of real estate. I think it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, you're on a great journey. What's your end game, man? Like, where do you see yourself, you know, five years from now? What, what, are, you, what are you doing? 
Well, we're we're still looking at deals today uh, in case a, good, a really good one does come along. But you know, we're really kind of laying the groundwork for scaling up and you know the next cycle that that, that I think is coming. Uh, yeah. We're hoping to buy like three to five thousand units um, in the next three to four, maybe five years, probably probably starting twenty twenty one. Yep. And you have a uh, you know, like I said, this last cycle we did eighteen hundred, and I, I think this cycle we'd like to at least double that. Yeah. Well, and it's true. It's funny, too, because even though, you know, the first cycle, it takes so much momentum just to get to there. And then once you get there, you're like, oh, wait, this process is so much simpler now. I can do it. I can have a little more bandwidth. I I have a better team put together. They're they're seasoned. And so and then truly your your ability to raise capital becomes easier as you the more and more you raise capital, the more and more people. And when you go through a, a deal like this, your capital understands and responds and they respect you. And that um, they become raving fans. I'm sure you had so many investors become raving fans through that project. Yeah, I say the majority of our new investors these days are referrals, so which yeah. is really nice. <laughs> That's the best way, man. That is the absolute best way. Well, listen, Andrew. If people are looking to find you, where where can they find you at? Yeah, I'm on the usual, you know, bigger pockets in LinkedIn. But if you really want to connect and um, act, and you know, possibly actually have a conversation or whatever. Best thing to do is just Google Vantage Point Acquisitions. The website is bpacq.com. And there's a couple of tabs on there. One is just, uh, you know, contact us. And if you just fill that out, it comes to our email. And like I said, we can have a conversation. There's a tab on there. Actually, um, we've got a, a, a mastermind going that's for active investors only, meaning you have to have done at least one deal. So yep. it's actually kind of restricted. But yeah, the best way is the website. Contact us, and um, okay, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes too. Yeah, and like I said, happy to have a conversation from there. So we've uh, definitely learned a lot over the years, and especially on that property. Yeah. Well, listen uh, again. I just want to thank you for coming on the show, guys. Uh, you know, here's a story of you know of a property that was just completely damaged, but what 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 brought it back to life is truly mindset. You know, Andrew had the mindset that, hey, it's not over. We can fix it. We've got the right things in place. And really, that is how life is. Life will throw you and will continue to throw your curveballs. And it's how you handle those situations that means everything. Because if you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. 